0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Sean Payton is gone. Tom Brady may be soon following suit. And does that move the needle for the Falcons to make a run at the NFC South crown in 2022? I'll be answering that question and more on today's Friday Q and a mailbag episode. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans, writing weekly content for the at the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, the host of this illustrious locked on Falcons podcast your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today is a Friday mailbag slash Q&A episode where I will be answering your listener questions. You guys sent in a bunch of them, uh, some of them talking about why the Falcons haven't prioritized the pass rush, whether or not Matt Ryan should take a pay cut. We got a bunch of questions surrounding the wide receiver position and, and talking a little bit about whether we should use Calvin Ridley as a part of a trade package to trade up in the draft. We'll be talking about whether or not the Falcons uh could trade back in the draft some wide receivers and running backs that may fit uh for the Falcons early in this draft uh and uh the sort of the big topic of the day however will be that uh you know talking about the NFC South changes with Sean Payton stepping down as the New Orleans Saints coach Tom Brady mulling over retirement and whether or not that means that the Falcons could make a definitive run at the NFC South crown this upcoming season. We'll get into that, but I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, lockdown on Falcons free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And of course now free and available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Falcons podcast uh, and give us a like while you do. So our first question comes from Wiley D at brother-in-law ATL. He asks, in light of the stories that Sean Payton may not return to new Orleans and Brady's potential retirement. Would you mind discussing how these developments would impact the Falcons Falcons 2022 season, if that were to come to fruition and Wiley D sent us in, uh, I think the day before, uh, Peyton officially stepped aside, but, um, you know, I don't think it necessarily moves the needle all that much for the Falcons. I certainly think it probably increases the odds that you might win one or more games in the division next year, because now your chances of splitting with the Bucks go up, but it's hard for me to imagine, especially given all the narratives that I've seen from various folks, particularly from a, a certain select group of Falcon fans and, and Falcons media that, you know, not only insist that the Falcons have a terrible roster, but also now that the division crown is up for grabs. Like, like those teams seem to be two compatible ideas. Like I, I wonder how much improvement those folks that think the Falcons have a bad roster think that the Falcons will undergo this in one single off season to really make a run at this thing and i'll i'll use another team for an example like you look at a team like detroit lions who i think most people would agree have one of the worst rosters in the nfl uh and what happens if aaron Rodgers gets traded from green bay yeah you would sit there and say yeah the nfc north doesn't have that one team at the top of the division anymore and it's up for grabs but how many of those people would sit here and say now it's detroit's division for the taking probably not very many so it's one of those things where i, I do feel like uh, those two ideas, at least when it comes to the Falcons, there's some maybe rose colored glasses there that are sort of obscuring folks. It's just hard for me to understand. Like you can sit here and think that the Falcons could make a legit run at the division next year, but it's hard for me to understand how you think that if they also have one of the worst rosters in the NFL, right. And you can also think the Falcons have one of the worst rosters in the NFL, but then how do you think that they're going to make a run at the division? Like how, how much, you know, improvement do you expect from them? And ultimately when it comes within the division, like the the main reason why the uh, saints and, and bucks uh, tend to, you know, control those matchups with the Falcons while Peyton and, and Brady certainly are significant parts of that, you know, at the end of the day are, are you know, the can the Falcons close the gap in the trenches? Like that's really where the team has struggled against those teams. That's really where the team is potentially going to struggle against the bulk of the teams that they face this upcoming season. Can they win the battle in the trenches? Um, and right now, obviously we're not looking at that group currently and, and thinking that they can. So again, I asked the question, like how much improvement do you really realistically expect for the team to make? Are, are that we going to be able to block Vita Bay? Are we going to be able to block Shaq Barrett? Are we going to be able to block Cameron Jordan? Or do you think the guys that we have already on the roster can do those things? All right. Um, you know, what about Miles Garrett? What about TJ Watt next year? You know, what, what about Aaron Donald, uh, Nick Bosa, you know, all these guys that we're going to be facing, Joey Bosa uh in in next year's schedule can we block those guys if we can block those guys and yeah we got a shot right but like you know for me i I look at it like how many division and games do you think we're going to win like three four now right how many non-divisional games you think we're going to win five or more games outside the division against the afc north and nfc west and the chargers i don't know so you tell me so I don't know if it really moves the needle for me personally, unless I see the Falcons make significant improvements in the trenches. Now, it's certainly possible that they can do that. I'm not going to sit here and expect them to go from a bottom five offensive line to a top five offensive line. I'm not expecting them to go to the worst pass rushing in the NFL to a top 15 pass rushing in the NFL. It's certainly possible that they could do that. Don't get me wrong. But again, unless you think that's happening, it's hard for me to sit here and and be optimistic about this team's ability to compete for a post postseason spot next year. So we'll just sort of have to see. Again, we'll revisit this topic when we get to March. We revisit this topic when we get to April, and certainly when we have the most of the offseason in the rear view in May, we can revisit this topic to see how much improvement the Falcons have made along the trenches. But that, to me, holds the key to their success in this upcoming season. Moving on to Corey Charon's question, uh, he, he's at Buffalo Head One on Twitter. He asked two questions. Why do you think it has been so rare for the Falcons to prioritize the pass rush for so many years? Seems they have prioritized almost everywhere else throughout the years. And why is there no more talk of Ryan taking a pay cut rather than just restructuring extensions? He has made a ton of money. More cap space would help him on the field, which would make him better and more likely to extend his career in Atlanta or elsewhere. At this point, isn't successful play in leading a good team more important than money for his legacy ending his career with five or six losing seasons. Certainly doesn't help his hall of fame chances. Um, You know, as far as the Falcons prior... Prioritizing the pass rush. They have at various points in the past, right? 2015 through 2017, they did prioritize the pass rush. The problem was that they got complacent in 2018 and 2019, believing that the investments that they made in those years, namely Vic Beasley and Zach McKinley would pay off. And those guys would develop into premium pass rushers. They did, of course not. And then that forced the Falcons to have to reinvest in that position in 2020, hoping that Dante Fowler, Marlon Davidson and Charles Harris would solve that problem. And of course, you know, so far, unless Davidson can really turn it around, We know Fowler and Harris did not work out for the team. And so far, it doesn't look like Davidson's going to work out for the team. As for Matt Ryan taking a pay cut, you know, just if I can step into the shoes of Tom Condon, his agent, I would sit here and tell you, um, you know, why why should he take a pay cut? You know, if if you don't want to pay him his contract and trade him, that would be my response as his agent. Now, as the host of Locked on Falcons, I would say, you know, you look at some of these other Aging quarterbacks, Tom Brady around age 36 uh, was counting about 9% of the Patriots' uh, salary cap you know, from age 36 to age 40, Drew Brees was about 12% of the saints salary cap from age 36 to age 40. Um, And if you project, you know, what the salary cap is going to be over the next three years, based off of over the caps projections that's two hundred eight million this upcoming season, 225 in 2023 and 256 in 2024, 9% of that would be about 62 million. So an average about 21 million a year, Uh, 12% would be about 82 million. So a little shy of uh, around a 27 million, A year. So if Matt Ryan's going to, you know, take a pay cut, like that's about what you're looking at. And right now his current contract is about 30 million a year. You look at how much we owe him, even if you were to uh, get him to defer those roster bonuses that he's owed over the next two years, we still owe him and and then do a max restructure. We still owe him about $57 million at least over the next two years. And that's about 13% of the salary cap. So, um, you know, I I think uh, when when you look at uh, this situation. Like, I don't know if you'll get Matt Ryan to take a pay cut. Certainly, I think it's fair for fans to ask that question. But at the same time, like when Brady and, and Breeze were taking those discounts for their respective teams, they were also teams on the verge of winning a Super Bowl. The Falcons, at least, again going back to the point made earlier, how far are the Falcons away from doing that, and does an extra you know eight million here or five million here really gonna really move the needle in that regard? So if you're Matt Ryan or his agent, at least you know again. Matt Ryan might have a different opinion, but his agent would be like screw that. I'm I'm not, you know I'm not lowering my cut <laughs> just so the Hawkins can you know re-sign Cordero Patterson. That ain't that ain't doing the difference. That ain't the reason why they'll win 11 games next year. You know, so I, I don't know. Um, I think it's a fair question to ask, but like it doesn't seem like it's something that is compatible with the current situation. So uh, we'll get into uh, more of the Falcons wide receiver issue. We'll talk about some potential trades, uh, for Calvin Ridley, as well as why, uh, Russell Gage seemed to fit in the Arthur Smith offense, and Calvin Ridley didn't quite uh, as we continue today's Lockdown Falcons. But I want to, again, thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day, and I always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. And, of course, i got to plug the Locked On Hawks podcast uh, where my guy Brad Roland is giving you the lowdown every single day on the, uh, about the Atlanta Hawks. And, of course, you can check out Lockdown Hawks on the same podcast platforms that you're listening to, Lockdown Falcons. So we're talking about taking pay cuts. Why not find ways to uh, cut what you're spending at the pump and you can do so now with a new app called get upside where you get cash back for every gallon of gas that you put in your car and save every time you fill up and there's no catch it's all free you can download get upside for free in the app store on google play all you got to do is open the app go to one of the thousands of eligible gas stations near you uh claim the offer fill up and they will put money directly into your account and you can then cash out anytime you want with payments directly into your bank account paypal i like to get them on amazon gift cards and now When you open an account on get upside and use the promo code touchdown, when you sign up, you get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. So don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free get upside app and use the promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. So, bet online remains the number one spot for all your sports wagering action in 2022. And you already can see the odds for the four possible Super Bowl matchups already up at betonline.ag. And right now, they're all between two and a half to three and a half points. And so, if you you put money down now, I think you're going to get some pretty good odds this week that you may not get uh, come Monday when those odds are changed. And we know who's going to be in. Playing for the Super Bowl. So head on over to take advantage uh, to betonline.ag. And when you sign up, use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you deposit 200 bucks, you get $100 in free money to play with. Bet is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at Bet where the game starts. So our next question comes from Justin Sandu at Justin201224. He asks, in hindsight, do you think the Falcons would be better off today if they drafted Jamar Chase instead of Pitts? Um, I am not a big fan of using hindsight for draft analysis as so many other folks in the world out there are so i don't want anybody to hear my answer to this and interpret it as me saying oh the kyle pitts pick was bad but i, I do think sort of if you're going to use hindsight and and based off of what we know now about the falcons wide receiver group um you can certainly make a, a pretty easy case that chase uh would have been the better pick especially given that chase had objectively a better season uh than kyle pitts uh i think it is hands down the favorite to win offensive rookie of the year. I know there's some people that think Mac Jones deserves it, but I, I think chase clearly deserves it. Um, You know, I guess the question is, is going to be, are we using our hindsight? Cause again, at the time we thought Julio was going to be here. We didn't expect Calvin Ridley to depart midway through the season. Um, So like, you know, we didn't know those things, but the team certainly at least theoretically knew that Julio Jones wasn't going to be here. So again, how much of factor, Uh, do you put into that? And then do you, how much do you factor if Chase is on in in, in this offense? How effective is he with Matt Ryan versus with Joe Burrow, a quarterback that he's played a number of times and playing in a Bengals offense that at least this year was a little bit more vertical and more explosive? Uh, so is he as good in Atlanta as he was in Cincinnati? I don't know the answer to that. So that's part of it why I don't necessarily like to do hindsight because you're just, you're just kind of, you know, It doesn't always work, right? Um, Let's move on to uh, Dirty Bird Digest's question. He says, I know you think that Calvin Ridley isn't a good fit in Arthur Smith's offense, but do you think that Smith has evolved in what we saw with Russell Gage showing out on the back end of the season? Are Gage and Ridley comparable in your opinion? So I, I do think... Arthur Smith did a better job utilizing Russell Gage in the second half of the season. It seemed like those bunch formations really did benefit him uh, in that regard. I do think Gage is probably a little bit better suited for Arthur Smith's offense than Ridley. I don't think they're that comparable. You know, I don't know if Gage really has any standout traits as a wide receiver other than that he's athletic and he can jump really high. We know that Ridley can't jump really high, but I think that sort of gives gauge a little bit more malleability uh, that allows him to fit in a multitude of different offenses. While I think Ridley has clearly defined strengths and clearly defined weaknesses, that means that you kind of have to tailor your offense a little bit more to his strengths if you want to get the best version of Calvin Ridley, and we've seen that over the last couple of years with Sark and, and Cutter we're doing a better job than that. And I'm being somewhat hyperbolic when I say this, but when you look at outside receivers in this Arthur Smith offense, it, they kind of run two routes. It's fades and, and And crossers. That's basically variations of those types of routes. And those aren't really the strengths of Calvin Ridley. I wouldn't sit here and tell you that those are strengths of of Russell Gage. Um, But it's one of those things where like, it's not a weakness of Russell Gage either. Um, You know, if you ask me what's Gage's best route, I probably couldn't tell you because I don't think there's one specific route or route combination that he's at his best at. Uh, Again, going back to that malleability question. um, And, you know, you look at Calvin Ridley, it's not that Calvin Ridley can't run crossers or can't run fades or whatever the Case may be, he's done that and had success running those types of routes in the past. But, you know, again, I'm pulling these numbers out of my butt, but like, you know, in the past it was like 15 to 20% of his routes were those types of routes. And in this, past year's offense, it was like 60 or 70% of his routes. And so all of a sudden you're taking a player that, you know, that only needed to be effective doing that stuff, you know, 10% of the time or whatever the case may be. Uh, And now he needs to be effective doing that 50 or 60% of the time or whatever the case may be. And that's just incompatible for him. So um, I do think the possibility that Ridley had, he continued to play with the Falcons would have been better in the second half, um, but I think that would have been due to Arthur Smith figuring out what his strengths and weaknesses are and finally making the adjustment uh, to, to tailoring his offense to that. We saw that with Dirk Cutter in 2019 where those first couple of games, you know, it wasn't as if Ridley was playing at a, a high, high level. Uh, you know, he was effective, but like, you know, it it kind of took, you know, five or six weeks before we really start to see Cutter figure out. Uh, Calvin Ridley. And, and maybe the similar thing would have happened uh, this past year. Uh, so we'll just sort of see about that. Uh, Lax Ned on Twitter as thoughts on using Ridley as a, an asset to trade up with the Jags or Jets. And would that be a better trade for him? Or would the Falcons be better off getting a second rounder for him? Because that's probably the market, what the market is. Um, is it a better trade for him? Like, I wouldn't want to go to the Jags or Jets (laughs) if I was him. I wouldn't want to go to a Knitter. Um, but you know, so I don't know if that's a better trade for him, but I'm, I'm assuming that for you, you're, you're looking at trading up into the top four because you want to get one of these premier pass rushers like Aiden Hutchinson or, uh, cave Thibodeau. Um, and when you look at the various trade value charts, what the normal move would be for the Falcons from going to eight to one. Um, to sort of figure out what the trade would be. Like if they went to from eight to one with Jacksonville, the trade value chart seem to suggest that they would have to give up this year's one next year's one and both of this year's twos. Um, and so essentially you can maybe make the case that Ridley could stand in for any one of those assets. Uh, you know, some people might say next year's one, you give up Ridley instead of next year's one, or you give up Ridley instead of one of this year's twos. Okay. But still at the end of the day, you're giving up four assets for one. And I just don't think unless you're trading up for a quarterback, that doesn't make a ton of sense to to give up that for a non-quarterback, even if you're really high on Hutchinson and Thibodeau. Now, going from eight to four seems a lot more palatable because the trade value charts say that that's probably this year's one and this year's two, the, the 43rd overall pick at the top of round two would probably be enough to go from eight to four. And so therefore, again, maybe you give up this year's one in Ridley uh, instead of this year's two uh, as way. And then then you're only giving up two assets for one, which seems a lot more uh, to make a lot more sense in that regard. As for that versus trading Ridley for a second outright, I, you know, I don't really have a strong preference. Um, again, a lot of this is hard to say in a vacuum because like how I feel about trade, like in general, I I'm against trading Ridley because I just think he makes your team better. Um, but a lot of it depends on what other moves the Falcons make this offseason, And particularly, you know, I'm willing to trade Ridley if I think it's going to uh, allow you to get better in the trenches. But I also don't think that one move is going to do the job. And so you have to show me, particularly in free agency, you know, what other moves that you made uh, in addition to that. So in a world where we're trading up for, you know, Thibodeau or um, Hutchinson, who I think are very good prospects, but aren't like necessarily like this Miles Garrett type of elite prospect. To me, they're more in the Bradley Chubb, Chase Young tier of sort of that next tier down um, of players. And I think, you know, the Nick Boses and the Joey Boses, et cetera, are are a little bit higher than those guys are, Um, you know, You gotta, you gotta give me something in, in free agency. Like you you gotta sit here and say, okay, we're going to take a hit at the, in the passing game by trading Ridley, but we can make up for it by upgrading the offensive line. Right. Uh, we did that in, in free agency and now our offensive line has improved. And, and we also invested heavily in our defensive line in free agency. And now we can look at a guy like Hutchinson or Thibodeau as like the final piece of the puzzle or something like that. So in a vacuum, it's hard for me to to get behind really any trade of Ridley at this point in time. But, you know, certainly there's circumstances if the Falcons can use that cap space uh, that they get from Ridley to upgrade, you know, the trenches, Uh, um, this March, then certainly I could be a little bit more open to that idea. So we have more questions to come, including whether or not a certain wide receiver would be uh, worth the eighth overall pick in Traylon Burks, and we'll get into that as well as some other draft-related questions about Falcons trading back and, and potentially targeting a running back early in this draft. Uh, as we continue today's Q and A episode, but before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the Peacock and Williamson podcast, where NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson are giving you their daily coverage of all the latest news around the nfl coaching hires uh, big trade talk as well as this upcoming weekends game and of course peacock and williamson is also headed to la next month to cover super bowl 56 Uh, and so make sure you subscribe to the peacock and williamson podcast on whatever your preferred podcast platform is so it's a new year and that means people have new year's resolutions and if you're uh Trying to get fit and eat healthier, of course, Built Bar should be included in your plan. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar because Built Bars not only taste good, they're good for you. They're low in sugar, calories and carbs, but high in protein and fiber. You know, eating healthy can be so boring, but Built Bar makes eating healthier fun and easier to stick to your resolution. And now if you head to built.com, you can find a sales for factory seconds. So various flavors while supplies last are now on sale discounted uh, as part of their factory seconds sale. And so make sure you head over to Built dot com before uh, supplies dry up. And when you do use the promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. So our next question comes from Mark at dramatic Mark on Twitter. Yes. I think Traylon Burks would be a good pick for the Falcons at eight. Would love to hear your thoughts on that as a mailbag question. Uh, I'm not as high on Burks at eight. Uh, Certainly I think Burks really does kind of fit what the Falcons may be potentially looking for at the wide receiver position. Again, going back to wide receivers just run fades and, and crossers, like Burks seems to run those routes. There's obviously going to be a lot of comparisons between him and A.J. Brown between now and the draft, and I, I see those comparisons. That's the player that immediately jumped to mind when I watched him. Um, and so when you look at the guys, that t- the type of receiver that fits in this offense, again, running uh, fade, uh, fades and crossers, um, you know Burks does seem to sort of fit the mold, but I kind of see Burks more as a second-round talent in large part due to the fact that I don't know how fast he is. To me, he's more like he looks like a four-five four five five guy. Uh, and that's typically a guy that goes in round two. And like if I'm gonna take a wide receiver in the top ten, like I need to see that guy be an elite. A special player. And like we know, AJ Brown has turned in, you know, was a second round pick. He's turned in a heck of a football player. You can argue he's one of the five to seven best wide receivers in the game today. So it's not to sit here and say that just because you're graded out of second round talent means that you can't go on to be a very successful NFL receiver. Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, all these guys were day two selections that have gone on to become some of the best receivers in the game. Stephon Diggs was the fifth round pick. So it's not to sit here and say that. Uh, You can't have success, but that's part of it where it's like, we know that you can get good wide receivers on day two or day three of the draft. Um, And so if I'm going to use a top 10 pick on a guy, he's got to be special. He's got to be Julio Jones type of guy. And, you know, he's got to be a Jamar Chase. He's got to be a, a DK Metcalf. And I know I will continue to die on the hill that DK Metcalf should have been a top 10 pick in his draft. You got to be a special unicorn type of wide receiver. And for a guy like Traylon Burks at his size, 230 plus pounds, like unless he w- runs a, a sub four, 440, like to me, he's not going to be a unicorn. Like he can run faster. He can he can run a 445 or something like that. And that will make him a legit first round talent but like um you know unless he's like that julio jones type of unicorn that dk metcalf type of unicorn that calvin johnson type of guy um you know i'm not gonna use a top 10 pick on him not to mention, I, I kind of think Drake London, the the wide receiver from USC, is better. I think he's probably a little bit better separating. I think he's probably a better blocker or whatever the case may be. So I don't even know if Traylon Burks uh, is, is the best of the big wide receivers in this draft class. So I, I would not be as big a fan of drafting him at eight. But again, I don't sit here and and say, like, oh, that's a terrible draft pick or anything like that. If he winds up being A.J. Brown, no one's going to complain. Um, but if he winds up being, you know, less than that, then, you know, like I, I – someone asked me like, what, what is his floor? And I was like, and he was like Laquan Treadwell. And I know that's a terrible thing to say. And I was like, yeah, kind of like, but not like Minnesota Laquan Treadwell or Atlanta Laquan Treadwell, like the, the Treadwell that played for the Jaguars this year. Like that to me is kind of his floor, which is a guy that may struggle to separate at the next level and and be a guy that catches like 30 or 40 passes, big guy that, you know, so like, that could also be Traylon Burks, and you definitely don't want to use a top 10 pick if, if that's all he's going to be. So we'll just sort of have to see about that. Uh, Andy Andy S. Gallagher asks, uh, are there any positions outside of special teams that you couldn't make an argument for taking at pick eight? Uh, center would probably be the only one. Um, you know, I'm not in love with drafting another undersized center in Iowa's Tinder, Tyler Lindenbaum as much as others are like Linderbaum is a very good prospect. If this was the locked on Eagles podcast or locked on Steelers podcast, I'd be all over Linderbaum, probably at pick eight. If those teams had that pick eight, but given that the Falcons have already invested in undersized centers, I'm just, I don't want to see the team go down that path again, even though I think Linderbaum is much better than Hennessy or Drew Dolman, but it's just not so much better that suddenly I feel like we're just drafting, you know, it just feels like we're just drafting a rich man's Matt Hennessy, which, you know, give me Alex. If I'm going to use a center, a top 10 pick on a center, I, I want it to be Alex Mack. And I don't think Linderbaum's on that level. Um, fourth string at Northern Falcon S. even if they bring back... CP and Davis. What do you think the chances are they draft a running back perhaps with one of the second round picks on Spiller or hall, etc., cetera, just to bring in some fresh young legs into the rotation? Or do they have the idea that Allison could be that guy? So I hope the chances that they draft a running back are pretty high. Uh, second round picks should definitely be in the mix with the Falcons having possibly two, possibly more picks depending on what happens this off season uh, on, on, in on day two. As for Allison, although he is my guy from Pitt, like, I, I kind of think he's just a guy. He, he's kind of like a poor man's Jason Stanley to me. He's a guy that can be a solid RB3 that in the event of an injury to your RB1 or RB2, he can come in and give you some decent production off the bench, but I don't think he should be part of your RB1, RB2 plan. Um, you know, Maybe he can still develop into that guy and be a rich man's Jason Stanley down the road, but I wouldn't necessarily go into this offseason or into the future expecting that to be you know, to, to be what happens. So that shouldn't be your plan moving forward. You should add to that position and potentially in the draft makes a ton of sense. As for the two guys that you named Isaiah Spiller of Texas A&M and Breeze hall of Iowa state. I like both of those guys. Um, I kind of like hall a little bit better because Iowa state actually runs outside zone stuff and Texas A&M doesn't run a ton of outside zone stuff. While Spiller has the skill set to be an effective outside zone runner. uh, I don't always assume, like others that you know, a player can make that jump uh, when they play in a different scheme. Like they played in one scheme in college and you're going to ask them to play in a different scheme in the pros. And maybe they make the leap. Maybe they make that adjustment. Uh, but maybe there's also a learning curve. Uh, and all of a sudden you're, you're drafting a player that is not going to necessarily hit the ground running. You don't know those things. And, and certainly me sitting here on the outside never having access to talk to these guys or interview these guys. I don't know that. Not Never going to talk to any of these coaches or anything like that. So it's one of those things where that's a bit of a projection to me. And I would much rather go with the quote unquote safer projection where I, I like I see a guy does X, Y, and Z, and he's going to be asked to do X, Y, and Z in the NFL, right? Rather than the guy that's asked to do A, B, and C in college. And now we're going to ask him to do X, Y, and Z in the NFL. So, you know, between those two, um, while in a vacuum, you might say Spiller is probably better, Running back, and I wouldn't disagree with you. You know, I I feel like Hall because of this potential scheme fit probably should be a little bit higher on the Falcons' draft board. Uh, Our next question comes from Jonathan Cole at GA Tech Fan ninety nine. He asks, "Who are the most likely trade partners, and a trade down within the first round would Washington make the most sense at eleven if they like one of the top quarterbacks?" Well, you know, I don't think a trade down partner is very likely at all because typically teams don't trade into the top ten unless they want to get a quarterback and I don't see teams trading up for quarterbacks in this year's draft class again, never say never, um, you know, people will insist to you that someone's always going to fall in love with a quarterback at the top of the draft and maybe someone does, but I think, you know, to really have a trade down option. You're probably going to need two teams to fall in love with the quarterback or two quarterbacks that people fall in love with as opposed to one. Uh, because if, if you're a team like Washington or whoever, and and you know that there's only really one guy that's in the mix, then you can kind of just stand pat and hope the guy falls to you rather than you know moving up to get him. But if you're sitting here talking about um, potential trade back options, and I know people will sit here and say, well, if you're not going to trade for quarterback, maybe there's someone come up for somebody else. Well, typically teams don't trade up for non-quarterbacks into the top 10. There's been like three of those trades in the last five drafts. Uh, Two of them happened last year. Uh, Miami doing their weird thing where they traded back and then traded back up uh, to six and they ultimately got Jalen Waddle, but they did that so that they can get one of the elite pass catchers, whether that was Pitts, whether that was Chase, whether that was Waddle in the draft. There's not a guy like that in this draft uh, that is that sort of elite uh, type of player. Uh, and you also technically can count Devontae Smith. Uh, the Eagles went from 12 to 10 to make sure that they got, you know, the third pass catcher uh, in, in the draft. And then you go back two years ago when the Steelers went from 20 to 10 to get Devin Bush. So um, the premium to trade up into that draft for a non-quarterback just doesn't make a ton of sense for a lot of teams. Uh, and particularly with this quarterback class, you know, probably makes even less sense to the teams. But to answer your question, Jonathan, uh, probably Washington is probably the most likely option just because the premium that they would have to pay for from going from 11 to eight uh, will probably be just a third round pick. Um, And so that's not a huge amount to pay. Uh, If you do, if they do happen to fall in love with one of these quarterbacks, the further we go in the draft, the more that premium is going to be and and the less likely uh, that one of those teams is going to be willing to to sell it all for one of these quarterbacks based off what I've seen. But uh, you you never say never. Um, Our last question comes from Debo at Debo. Uh, On Twitter, he asks, When will the media in Atlanta start calling out the scouting/slash player personnel department from Mike to Dan to Arthur, Dimitrov to Terry? It seems we are making very similar stakes, uh, and no one talks about the guys feeding them bad player recommendations. Now, I'm curious, what sort of specifically are you referring to as the similar mistakes that the team is making? Um, Because without understanding that, I I can't really speak to this because it sounds like you want. You know, and I'll, I'll consider myself to be the part of the Atlanta media for, for to answer your question. But like, it sounds like you want people to start calling out like directors, of player personnel, and area scouts um, for the Falcons messing up in the draft, which I don't know doesn't make a ton of sense because they're not really the decision makers when it comes to stuff like this, uh, and we don't necessarily know how much of a part they play. You know, every team is different in terms of how the scouts are treated. In, in certain cases, the scouts play a big part. Of, of a team's evaluation process. And sometimes like they're just, you know, data collectors. And then ultimately the head coach or the general manager, or in some cases, the owner winds up making, you know, unilaterally making those decisions. And we don't know how that quite works in Atlanta. I will sit here and tell you that I have the impression based off of, you know, you know, the, all the, the data, uh, that, um, under Dan Quinn, it was primarily the coaches that were making the decisions just based off of how the Falcons suddenly switched from a three cone heavy uh, team to a broad jump and 40 time heavy team under Dan Quinn uh, since Dimitrov and the scouting department sort of breed that Patriot school. And when you go back to the Mike Smith years, you know, they were very much in love with guys that ran really good three cones and that suddenly became basically not a drill that they cared about under Dan Quinn, except for, for wide receivers and corners. Um, and then You know, the fact that the Falcons would really feature all-star game guys also speaks to coaches having control. And right now when we look at Terry and and them, uh, it's hard to really glean sort of what their process is like. So, again, it's hard for me to sit here and be like, yeah, these area scouts are screwing over the Falcons because, again, we could be in a situation you know whether it's now or or in the past where an area scout like player A and a coach like player B and the general manager sided with player B with the coach and went with player B in the draft and so you know me sitting here yelling at an area scout or Phil Emery or whoever you want me to call out you know, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So it's, it's a lack of information is the general thing I would say. Like, we just don't know how much of a contribution these guys have. And, and assuming that they're the reason why the Falcons are whiffing on picks again, you got to give me a little bit more of a specific example. Of what specifically you're talking about uh, when we're talking about making some of the same mistakes, is it just, you know, missing on players? Like, you know, then why are we, you know, I don't, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> that, that, that'll do it. I don't have anything else to add. Debo. Um, so that will do it for us here on today's, uh, Friday Q and A. I hope that answers all the questions that you guys sent in. I'm sure if you want to send in additional questions that we can answer potentially, um, you know, next week, uh, you know, the plan moving forward for most of the off season will be to do Q and A's either on Monday or Friday. We're going to probably do Friday until after the Super Bowl, And then we can start doing, you know, mock draft Mondays and, and then having some mailbags and then maybe have, you know, Fridays be leftover mailbag questions. So of course you can always hit me up on Twitter to send in those questions at lockdown Falcons or on Facebook at lockdown Falcons. You can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. Or of course you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. So guys, I appreciate you for tuning in, and I hope you uh, make Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. But I always recommend second listens, including Lockdown Hawks, Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Bulldogs. But of course, the Lockdown Bets podcast, where handicapping expert Lee Sterling is giving you those daily picks, those blowout specials, and of course his lock of the day to help you make a little bit of money uh, that you can. Uh, Use to, to go and buy some built bars, or you can use that money, uh, you know, that, that savings that you get from get upside, uh, and then take Lee's advice to head on over to bet online, uh, to, to use that money and, and make a little bit of more money. So there you guys have it. Appreciate it till then.